Welcome to the weekend edition Hollywood, the Hollywood, oh, good grief, uh, Halloween style, because for those of you that celebrated a uh, Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style? That's my Halloween. Along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott, I am Sydney Brown. Excuse me for the intro, but things are crazy around here, especially in the sports where we'll get to uh, everything in between in just a moment. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at SIDKID80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow you can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. And you can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. And you can catch this podcast along with the other programming from War Media by searching War on Anchor, wherever you download your podcast, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. And we're also on iHeartRadio. Please download the iHeartRadio app. When you do, please search for War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at War Media. And when you do that on, on YouTube, you can see our lovely faces doing this podcast. So you know what our pretty intelligent, lovely faces look like. Here we are. <laughs> Love it. We got a busy and, show. We got a busy show today. So, all right, Sid, you start off. All right. Uh, last Monday night, a, a big old atomic bomb was dropped on SoFi Stadium where the Los Angeles Rams defeated the Chicago Bears by the score of 24-10. to 10. Last year around this time, the Bears train went off the rails and they finished the season at 8-8. Eight and eight. And there was a lot of controversy surrounding that team from a year ago. This year, it looks like it, it, the train may be headed downwards in the same direction. Here's a couple of observations. One, Mitchell Trubisky is out. Two, Nick Foles is in. Number two, head coach Matt Nagy doesn't know how to call plays and get them in on time, which causes Nick Foles to tell ESPN's Brian Greasy on the Monday Night Football broadcast that there are communication problems, and so boom goes to dynamite. After the game, Nick Foles <laughs> was honest and transparent, and Matt Nagy, 40 minutes later following the loss, tried to play PR spin, but as we told you on this program from the start of the season until now, the Bears were are not that good. As far as your truly is concerned, their record stands at two and five, not five and two. <laughs> and with the Saints coming into town on Sunday to take on the Bears in Fox's America's Game of the Week, <laughs> Bears poop could be at an all-time high. And this year, more than ever, the Chicago Bears season stands at a crossroads. We saw in last year's game against the Saints. Without Drew Brees and without Alvin Kamara, the Saints dominated the Bears handily. Now, could this locker room be broken? After the game last year, Khalil Mack left the locker room without speaking to the media. Allen Robinson, the wide receiver, decided to go at a couple of people via the Twitter locally here in Chicago. This year, more is at stake for the Chicago Bears. Head coach Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace are facing possible pink slips and link cards. So could the Bears uh, define their season with a big win on Sunday against the Saints, 
or will this train continue to derail downwards? Lakina, I will start with you. As we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I suggested out there, this locker room isn't broken yet, but we're starting to see signs now. Can this season be saved, or are we watching another ship uh, sink slowly before our eyes? It all depends what happens Sunday. I hate to kind of like, you know, get it to that particular point, but mm -hmm. I think it really is. I mean, if the Bears lose and if they lose, you know, handily, we may be seeing some infighting. We already look, we already saw it, you know, you know, Brian Greasy brought it up. I mean, look, he he knows how it is to have like miscommunications, you know, mm -hmm. with the Bears, you know, OC and everything else, you know, revisionist history. But I you know, but I was making a point here, but look penalties, you know, lack of, you know, good play calling, and just all that started to kind of just manifest. And it all – we didn't get a chance to talk about it since it was a Monday night game, but it all – unfortunately, the nation saw what we've been saying for, for like, almost a, over a month now. This team is not that good, unfortunately, folks. I, I, I'm sorry to say it, but, you know, the defense was good, but they had too many penalties. Akeem Hicks, I mean, my goodness, he had, like, three or four penalties by himself. <laughs> and, you know, also, you know, the offense, you know, everything's all, you know, discombobulated. And then A-Rob might be out because of concussion protocols. And now Mac might be out because of the knee. And Cody Whitehair, like, who was probably, the, like, the, the most decent, you know, O-line guy they have, he may not play either. Yeah. So everything's sort of starting to manifest for the, for the Bears. And I just want to apologize to the rest of the nation just in case they, they stink again. I'm just <laughs> – I'm, I'm doing a pre Hashtag Bears poop. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Bears poop. I like that. Let's get that trending. <laughs> that's our thing. Yeah, that's our thing for today's show. <laughs> <laughs> the thing for this week. Go ahead, Lamont. No, uh, everything y'all saying is correct. Uh, it's very correct. As far as being off the rails, I wouldn't say that to after this stretch of games are over. And then we could say officially it's off the rails. But we still got these next three games. We need to see what's going to happen in. Because, like, the Bears have a way of getting lucky sometimes. And they may go two and two in this four-game stretch. And they may show up and show out and still be looking okay. Now, back to the real problem. Matt Nagy and his play caller. That may explain why Akeem Hicks was making so many mistakes. Yes, one plays offense, one plays defense. But when your frustration level is so big on one side, you tend to do dumb stuff on the other side. Kind of like if you're driving home and you're thinking about the kids at home and they just broke something. You may speed a little bit or you may run past a person on the expressway because you know you're going home to beat the kids from what they were doing. So I think that <laughs> may have been the feeling Akeem Hicks was having when he was making all of those mistakes, because that's not him. He don't do stuff like that. So his mind was so focused on the mistakes that the offense was making, you got to realize that defense did everything they could to keep them in that game, and they could have still won the game if they would have just played a little bit. And goes back to what you said, Sid, Matt Nagy and his play calling. I, I'm really starting to question his play calling. Like, really, really. Like, I remember talking on the show with Paul last year. Um, I, I, last year, I thought he was Mitch's problem with the play calling. I was thinking Mitch may not be that bad. It's just the plays that he's calling don't agree with the uh, skill set that he has. So that's why it may be a Matt Nagy problem. And if he's not willing to turn those play caller duties over after the halfway point, yeah, it could be bad and it could be long. 
And like I say, overall, that offensive line, like you said, that was Aaron Donald. I know Leonard Floyd is very excited. He had a chance to beat up on the Bears. I know he real good. But a couple of bright spots, Moody was killing Jalen Ramsey over there. They just couldn't get him the ball. He had him beat mm-hmm. at three times. So, I mean, we may have a future over there. We may have a long shot and a threat over there. They just got identified and be able to go to it quicker. So, I mean, it was a couple of bright spots. The defense still overall was a bright spot, so to speak. But, you know, it it may not be completely over yet. We'll have to see after this. As y'all know, this game coming up is my sit-out game. So, I I won't be making a pick. And, And it's like, we'll see what happens. Well, we'll get to those NFL picks later as you're listening to Second City Sports Zoom Style, the weekend edition, along with Lakina McGinn and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown. As we review the Bears' uh, loss to the Los Angeles Rams on Mon- last Monday night, 24-10, to 10, and we'll preview uh, the game against the Saints with our guest, Ross Jackson, from Locked on Saints podcast, coming up in a few minutes. Uh, to piggyback off your points, Lamont, uh, Matt Nagy and his play calling, we all know it's been terrible. This is year number three for him, and it, there's no excuse. I know this is his first go-around as an NFL head coach, but there's no excuse for what's been happening right now. In particular, the, your first drive of every ball game, the first 15 plays at least are scripted. You had to waste a timeout because you can't get the plays in on time. Nick Foles, I do not blame him for saying it, although he did say it in confidence to Brian Greasy on the telecast. Nick Foles is correct. If you are NFL head Head coach, you cannot do that. There is no excuse for that. We saw that on Monday night. We saw it last week at Carolina. We've been seeing this all season, and there's been a problem with him doing it at, at points last year. So that issue has to be corrected. Number two, the offensive line. Uh, we gave them props early in the season, especially when they committed to running the ball a little bit more. You saw that at the Lions, of course, against the Giants in their home opener. And But this offensive line now with rapid by injuries – uh, they know since Nick Foles been in, been in there, it's been more pass play calls than run calls. They know how to play, pass block, but they forgot to uh, to know how to to do run blocking, and that's partly because mostly because of the head coach as well. So that's issue number two. Issue number three. Hopefully, we could bring this up with Ross later. But Ted Ginn Jr. He is wasting a roster spot. What is he doing back there returning punts? Mm. Uh, well, see, I, I don't think he did much with them, Sid. Uh, Buddy was kicking his butt off. But I don't think he could have did much with them. Even if he would have caught one of them five, he would have got lit up. I mean, dude was kicking. Dude was kicking out the building, man. Like Johnny Hecker of the Rams. Yeah, you had to get that brother MVP. He he was the MVP of that game. I mean, he, he never had a shot. So I wouldn't put so much on Gid until he at least attempt to run two back like next week. After. And maybe it's because it's the Saints. That's his old team. He may want to run through them. So I would say judge him after this game, and then we'll talk about that roster spot. But as you just said, that play calling, man, that's, that's you know, that, that may be a big problem. That may be a bigger problem than what we want to see or admit to being in Chicago media. But – uh, somebody needs to question him on it. And like you mentioned, that timeout situation, he blamed it on the running back. He said, well, the running back was out of place, 
and I didn't want him to get blowed up. So I'm in the protecting my team. So uh, uh, you protecting your team or your job, bro? So it's 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 interesting, bro. It's real interesting. Well, Hecker has been to four Pro Bowls, so he was actually a bigger factor than I think anybody thought that he would be. And he, yeah, you're right, Lamont. He did pin him back, but again, you know, he actually had a couple of chances to to catch the ball. He didn't do that, so. I, I mean, we'll see what happens in this game today and on Sunday night, but it, it just I just find it unfortunate that, you know, people are seeing what we've been seeing for like the last month and a half. Like like I like I said a couple like we've been saying. This team's not that good. Yes, the defense is good, but yes, they're but they're having injury issues. The offense is already having issues, you know, with the play calling and with injuries now too. So it's all starting to catch up to the Bears and Okay, yeah, they can still probably, you know, pull off and win these next couple of games, whatever. But, you know, it's not the old saying, you are what your record says it is. You may be all a mirage. We, we've been telling you that this five and two, well, five and three now, well, five and two, I should say, but it's a mirage. So I think, I know people say they would rather be like the, be- the worst five and two instead of the best two and five and one and six. But again, you know, your flaws are showing. And now the sad part of it is now the rest of the nation is seeing your flaws. So, and now, you know, the Bears going to have even more, going to have a couple more you know, nationally <laughs> televised games. So, unfortunately, they're going to see that, okay, you know what? Maybe people may have been on to something. Maybe this team's not that good. But, again, we'll, we'll see once they play the games. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and – uh, a lot gonna show. Uh, a lot gonna show Sunday, man. Like a lot gonna show Sunday. It's my game. It's uh, my game of the year. It's my Super Bowl. So a lot gonna show Sunday, and we gonna come out on the bad end. But I do think it all start with the coach, man. Like I'm really starting to think that he may be the reason Mitch Trubisky is a bust. It may be all him. Uh, Taking a look at some of the ugly statistics from Monday night's loss last Monday at Los Angeles uh, for Chicago. Nick Foles was 28 for 40 for 261 yards and two interceptions, including one in the red zone early in the game. Uh, Rushing yards, David Montgomery, 14 carries for 48 yards. Cordell Patterson, I swear, if I see Matt Nagy use him uh, one more time for his traditional two carries, I'm going to bleep and scream. He had three carries for one yard. As far as receiving is concerned, Allen Robinson had four catches for 70 yards. Cole Komet, two catches for 45 yards, including his longest catch for 38 yards. Jimmy Graham had five catches for 31 yards. Anthony Mill, who's had a, a disappointing stretch the last couple of weeks, three catches for 20 yards. And we have Darnell Mooney, as Lamont mentioned earlier, uh, three catches for 40 yards. He could have had a bigger uh, – uh, impact, but uh, your quarterback couldn't get the ball to him, so there you go with that. So as far as sacks are concerned, Khalil Meckles currently on the injury report as of this podcast, as Lakina mentioned. He had one sack. That was it. I do not blame the Bears' defense for, for uh, last Monday night's loss. It was all on the offense. They only scored three points. Thank goodness for Eddie Jackson, who picked up the uh, loose ball on the fumble to score the only touchdown in the game for Chicago, but uh, people want to be mad at the defense. That's fine. But as we warned you for the last couple of weeks, basically all season, the Bears defense cannot carry you. We saw that two years ago. It bit you in the you-know-what against Philadelphia in the playoffs. We saw this last year. Where did it end up? In eight and eight record. Now we're starting to see what's happening again this year. And this offense has to be better. 
They are ranked, as I said last week, third worst or third to third worst to, to the very bottom in the league in all important offensive statistics. This cannot happen. This must stop. And with a, a tough schedule coming up, uh, this has to get turned around turned around quickly or this ship will be sinking. Now, real quick, before I go back to you, Lakino Lamont, I just want to piggyback off your point about Mitchell Trubisky. I had someone uh, make a, a weird prediction to me yesterday, and this person said that Mitchell Trubisky may be back in there in a couple of days. It's about PR, and I guarantee you this, if that would, were to happen, th- this season is over and Matt Nagy and Brian Pace will lose their jobs. I just don't see that happening barring injuries. So that's why I told the guys that all of them will be gone by seasons in anyway if they don't make the playoffs. But I just don't see them switching to Mitch now. Uh, they already have egg written all over their faces. I think this is Foles' team barring injury uh, until this season is over, even if he plays bad. It's sad to say, but it's true. They really do not want Mitch in there. So uh, I just want to end on end this part on that on that note. And 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 go what you said, said. I, I, I like I said, I, I don't think it's so much as, as Nick Foles even playing as bad as people say. I think it's the plays that's being called for him. I mean, look at that fourth and one play with to, to Cordell Patterson, and you might as well scream. You said you're gonna scream if they give him two carries again. That's what he gonna do. <laughs> so you might as well go oh my gosh. <laughs> That way, you know, you got it out your system. But that's that's what I'm saying about his play calling. Like, you literally, you look at his play calling, and it's scary because you get to thinking, we ain't had a play caller that was good since Eric Kramer days or something like that. I mean, what's going on? Like, <laughs> it's starting to be real obvious that he need to, like, get him a true play caller in there, man. And it, it may – it may he may have ruined Mitch, man. And so – since they all might be gone, like you say, I don't see him getting back in there neither. But what's the point anyway if you mess the man head up? It's interesting, though. I, I, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about, Sid, that told you that. But uh, I, I just think that, mm, you know what, I'm sure they would have made the move in the Rams game, I believe. Look, I don't think Mitch is going to get back in there unless Neil Foles gets hurt. That's the only way he gets back in there, and I don't see it happening. They are already looking silly because they see what Mahomes is doing. They see what Deshaun Watson is doing without a lot of help. You're, you made a mistake, a big mistake, and you may have set your franchise back a, a few years. So that's the thing that the Bears, you know, you know owners are going to have to live with that. Now, as far as everything else is concerned, the play calling, I mean, look, we saw what happened the first year of Nagy's system. It was fresh. It was new. Well, maybe not fresh, but it was new. You know, he dazzled everybody. He dazzled Bears fans. But the problem is now defense is starting to catch up to them. Defense sees what you're seeing. And, you know, Leonard Floyd, I mean, the Leonard Floyd revenge game, as I call it, he probably knew, like, he was, oh, Lord. You, you saw how happy he was when he sacked Polo two, two, two times he sacked him. I mean, he was like, yep, he was, oh, yeah, he was dancing. He was like, uh-huh. Yeah, like, y'all really thought y'all were going to get that over me. <laughs> and we all know Aaron Donald was going to do his thing. So I, I just think that at, 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 this po- at this point, I think, I don't think it's just really that Nagy's play calling. I just think that because his system is just sort of, I don't want to say out of, you know, out of touch, but I think people, you know, the least caught up to him now. So it's not, you know, you know, sort of nuance or sort of a renaissance sort of thing anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of over Matt Nagy right now to be honest with you. And then it's like, he, he kind of want to pass the buck all the time. I mean, he get, you see that press conference directly afterwards. You see how he be answering. 
You see how he be talking? I mean, he he he's I mean, if he's a master motivator, he's not really showing it right now. And the whole Brian Greasy thing, I heard Sid mention it earlier. Yes, Trubisky uh, probably told him that in confidence, but he told him that for a reason. I mean, Foles, I'm sorry, told him that for a reason because it probably is coming in too late. It, it probably is not on him. And he like, man, before y'all can't get me another contract somewhere else, I'm going to let y'all know it wasn't my fault. It was Buddy on the sidelines sending it to me late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's been a couple of years ago. He wanted another contract. So we like, man, ain't on me, man. So uh, it's going to be interesting Sunday evening. And we got uh, top billing. So, yeah, I mean, I can't wait Sunday hit. Uh, we're okay. Listen to Second City Sports Zoom style along with – Along with myself, like you know, with Lamont Scott and Sydney Brown, I'm like Keenan McGee. I mean, I mean, no. Steven statistics. Aaron Donald one sack, uh, Little Floyd two sacks. Aaron Donald didn't like Keenan. Aaron Donald because he just crawled on his. All right, we get a little having some problems with Sid's uh, signal, but uh, yeah, and you know, the, Aaron Donald, like you know, we got him back. Aaron, you know, we were just talking about Aaron Donald. Uh, Sid, go ahead, finish your points. I was just saying that uh, Leonard Floyd, former Bear, as, as Lamont mentioned, had two sacks. Uh, Donald, Aaron Donald was credited with a half a sack. Aaron Donald didn't need to get through that Bears offensive line. He could have crawled on his uh, hands and knees to second and false for all I care. That's what I saw. <laughs> I got Aaron Donald, a quick Aaron Donald comment. I was watching the game with my mother, right, because she was really watching to see was Lamar Jackson playing. So she, she fell in love with Lamar Jackson, so that's a side. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, who is that 99? She was like, I like him. She was like, he just pushed everybody out the way and just go hit him. I was like, pretty much. She's like, he hit him. And she like, he just throwing the people around. She was like, they need to put like two people on him. I was like, you know, you know, you know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, that was interesting. And she watched the whole game, too. I was like, oh. You watched the whole massacre, so that, that was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh bless God. your mother. Yeah, bless your mother, Lamont. Uh, hopefully the best can hire her as a consultant. Man, <laughs> they need to do something because um, – but I, I'm, I'm really starting to think it's all the coach, man. Like, I mean, he, he, was, he, was, he was flying that first play. It's kind of like – you know, it's kind of like you hate to, like, bring in a baseball reference right now, but – you know how a player come in and he's hitting home runs all over the place and then they throw him a curveball or a slider or they throw it outside and down and he go like he bet one, 108 for like two months until mm -hmm. he really here. I think Matt Nagy is in his curveball stages of the NFL right now. And I don't know if he knows how to bounce back. I mean, I pray that he does because he needs a livelihood also. But I think he's in that curveball section right now. And he can't hit the curve that every team seemed to be throwing at his offense. So we're going to see. Yeah, let, let's talk about the game, you know, against the Saints coming up this Sunday as we await Ross of Lockdown Saints. Um, the Saints have been sort of, I don't want to say under, I think, I guess you could say they're kind of underachieving, even though they're four and two. You know, they've had some injury issues and everything else has been going on. 
their defense, you know, it's not like they have a bunch of no-name guys on defense. I mean, you got Cam Jordan, who's been to multiple, multiple Pro Bowls. You got Malcolm Jenkins, who's a veteran. I mean, uh, you know, and also Janoris Jenkins, no relation. Uh, Demario Davis. I mean, it's not – and Mar- and Marshawn Lattimore. It's not It's not that these guys are – these. Uh, some of these guys went to multiple Pro Bowls. I mean, what, what the heck is going on with the Saints defense? I mean, that they're not – you know, they haven't, you know, achieved as well. They get ate up. I mean, it, it's funny. If it's if it's like literally when it comes to these teams, I'm literally like right there. Like I love them both equally the same. I like don't even pick a winner or none of that. So I watch them just as hard. Like every game they play, I watch every play of their game just like I watch every play of the Bears game. But yeah, it's the defense has been getting chewed up and. Earlier in the season, I was and I was thinking about asking Ross about it. I was thinking, did Drew Brees lose some of the locker room back when he made those comments at the beginning of the season? So I was thinking, had he lost some of the locker room or some of the team? And that's why they've been kind of, as you mentioned, like kind of underachieving right now. So I, I was kind of curious about that. And maybe did he know or hear anything down there? Because I haven't made it down there yet to talk to different people. But uh, that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. So, But I was wondering, has that happened with the Saints? So, I mean, I'm just as worried about them as I am about the best. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lamont Scott and Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We preview uh, this Sunday's contest in the NFL between the Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints. You can watch that game on Fox at 3.25 p.m. as part of America's Game of the Week. <laughs> uh, previewing that game, Lamont, I want to piggyback off your point about the Saints defense. Uh, hopefully we'll have our guest on in a few minutes. Uh, watching that game last week against the Carolina Panthers, uh, that, that Saints uh, secondary has, has, has not been good this year. They've been inconsistent at best. And Teddy Bridgewater had the game, had a great game uh, last Sunday, passing for two ch- touchdowns, and he passed close to 300 yards, not quite, but two, 254 uh, and two touchdown passes. He took advantage of a couple broken plays uh, down in coverage that uh, the Saints secondary, they were just lost uh, out there uh, during the majority of that game. But their run defense was good. They kept Mike Davis to only seven carries and 14 yards. And so the, their run defense was good there. But that, that secondary is not good. If the Bears can uh, form any time of cons- uh, type of consistency in the passing game, uh, the Bears should be able to take care uh, to take care of that uh, of the Bears. Uh, sorry, of that Saints secondary. They should be able to take advantage of it. But the based on the way they've been playing, especially last Monday night, I don't think it's possible. But that's just me. It's a week to week league. And I hope the Bears can get it together to take advantage of that poor secondary of the Saints. And 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 in defense of the secondary, said they've been like not on the injury list, so to speak, but nicked up, and they've been uh, playing a little slow. You know what I'm saying? They they've been dealing with little nagging type injuries and dealing with a little slowness. That's what's been going on with that secondary. But I, I mean. I don't think it's something where the Bears could just take advantage of them and of the situation. I don't I don't see the Bears being that dominant of an offense. 
take advantage of them, of them, even though they have been a little nicked and injured. I don't see the Bears offense being competent enough right now to take advantage of that Saints slower secondary. Because like I said, they've been playing a little slower. And the offensive line, like she mentioned, will have to deal with Cam Jordan. So it's, it's definitely going to be something worth watching. Yeah, they're a little dicked up on, D, on offenses, offense, too. Michael Thomas is struggling with a hamstring injury. He's now questionable. Their center is also questionable. I think he's got an ankle injury. So yep. they've got a little bit of uh, some injury issues there on the offense, too. But, it, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see if the Bears' defense can take advantage of that. So we'll, that, we'll that's see. Why, that's why I think the Bears need to win that game. At, they got to win that game on the front line. Like they got the, the Akeem Hicks, the Roy Robinson, and Khalil Mack needs to win that game. I think that whole game surrounds around that whole little front right there. And we're going to need to play out the secondary from our other safety. We need, to, we need him to catch the ball, not hit the ball. Mm-hmm. And, and that may help us. <laughs> You know, and that, that may help us. It's funny, another mama thing. She was like, why he just didn't use two hands? Why he punching the ball? I was like, look, man. I was like, no, I mean, like, I'm like, I'm not watching the game too no more because you got too many questions. But, 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 yeah, I mean, the best, I mean, they would need to win it up front. So when that, they're going to have to win it up front with one play in the back. They're only going to need one play in the back, but it's going to have to come. Because he's going to be taking shots. Yeah, speaking of in the trenches, Lamont, if you guys remember last year's game, as I referenced to in the open, uh, Alvin Kamara, the Saints running back, did not play in, in, the, in the game at Soldier Field last year. It was Latavius Murray. He ran all yep. over that Bears defense yep. for over 100 yards in a touchdown. Of course, that started the stretch of Hakeem Hicks missing all those games for the Bears last year. They getting injured against the Raiders in, in London. Um, Kamara uh, ran the ball 14 times for 83 yards last week. Latavius Murray had 11 carries for 47 yards in their victory over the Carolina Panthers last week. I think it's going to come down to the run defense, and, and the Bears' defense is going to have to step up big time because uh, the Saints will be bringing all that he, whether Michael Thomas plays or not, uh, their running game, they're going to have to lean on Alvin Kamara. He was basically their workhorse last week, looking at that game closely with their victory over Carolina. I know Drew Brees passed for over 287 yards and a couple of touchdown passes, but it, for them it starts up, up with their running game with Alvin Kamara. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah, I would be surprised if they, if they just give Kamara the ball a little bit more because you know, the Bears' defense have shown that they have a hard time slowing down, and they've, and they've faced, you know, some – I don't want to say average, you know, I don't want to give them, you know, I don't want to give them, you know, say it's a fluke, but yeah, I mean, they gave up a lot of rushing yards to some of the running backs. You can imagine what's going to happen if they face one of their top running backs in the league, you know, Kamara might run through that Bears deep, that Bears front seven. So it'll be interesting to see what what happens there. And then they're going to sneak them out behind them for a screen and it's going to burn them for about 50. I'm telling you that early. They're going to sneak them for a screen for 50. Remember I put that out there early. Probably shouldn't have told Chicago fans and media that because uh, I know I know nagging them listening to us. So watch that screen go for fifty. Yeah, I, I, look, I, you know, don't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for a couple fifty yarders because he's just that fast. But uh, and also, especially if you know if Mac isn't able to play because of that knee injury, 
We'll we'll see what happens, you know, if Eddie Jackson. But although I think I saw somewhere that he did practice yesterday, but uh, it happened on that play, right? That was supposed to have been called dead where they pushed, where he pushed what seven people to the yep. goal line. Yep, that's uh, apparently that's where it happened. That's when it happened, and he he was actually limping. You know, Mac was actually limping after that, and he, and, he, and you know, yep. I think um, I think the Monday night guys noticed it, so. You know, yep. don't be surprised if Mac's not able to play this this weekend. Yeah. All right. All right. As we await for our guest once again, Ross Jackson, we'll do a little more, you know, breakdowns of the, the Bears game, if the Bears Saints game. If not, you know, we'll just do our picks. Um, you know that, like I say, with that with that Bears saying, yeah, I know when I sent you my picks, I noticed you probably noticed that it wasn't a pick on that one. No, you didn't. You didn't. You did not have your pick on there, Lamont. It'll it never be. Never be. But you're going to have to make one. <laughs> you're going to have to make one, Lamont. No, you're going to have to. I was, I was actually going to ask you to look at the standings and see what one game cost me my season. <laughs> because, uh, because, you know, like literally, I actually literally love them the exact same. But if I'm forced to, I will by the end of the day. <laughs> the other day he says uh well actually you know what actually Sid actually gained a couple of games so he's actually ahead by three games but the good, <laughs> but the good news is look but the good news is that you will have a chance to you know, look we're all within like four like four or five games so we'll all have a chance to catch up so don't don't feel bad Lamont. that's true <laughs> it's not over yet <laughs> we're not even halfway through the, we're not even halfway through the season yet so you listen there's time for, for us to catch up <laughs> our picks gonna completely differ this week and and that and and that and that, even like with that game last night, that was crazy. That was crazy last night. Let's talk a little it's, bit about. I, let's talk a little bit about that 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 uh, that game on Thursday night. I mean, look, Atlanta actually held on. Yay! I mean, woo Congratulations! Look, Atlanta just may be back. You got to realize without a, without a uh, and I don't know what Todd Gurley was thinking about Sunday, but without that play Sunday. That would have been another win, also. So that would be like three in a row. So Atlanta just may be on the way back. And with the coaching change, which was sorely needed, they just may be on the way back. You know, I said it early, they wasn't a bad team. They have too much talent at wide receiver and tight end to be losing like that. And they have a world class quarterback. So Atlanta just may have turned the corner now that they've gotten rid of the coach and got that up out their system. I mean, that was Ty Gurley's loss uh, Sunday. I mean, you can't you can't put that on. No, that was his loss. I don't care if they say where well, the team let him. No, you didn't have to lose that game. If you would have yeah, just take yeah, just taking looking at the stats from Thursday night's game, the first. A game for week eight in the National Football League. Uh, of course, Atlanta defeated Carolina 25-17. Matt Ryan passed for 281 yards. He did throw an interception. He was sacked twice. But they were picked up by a, a committee in the running game. Brian Hill with 11 carries for 55 yeah. yards. Ty Gurley, as you mentioned, Lamont, uh, 18 carries, 46 yards. But he did score a touchdown. Matt Ryan had a touchdown in there, a rushing touchdown in there as well. Julio Jones had a big game with seven catches for 137 yards. Hayden Hurst, their tight end, five catches for 54 yards. So, and Calvin really didn't have a great game, but he still came up big with three catches for 42 yards. He got, he got they took him out like second quarter. He got hurt in the second quarter, so he yeah. didn't play 
second half. So that's why his numbers probably wasn't as thick as they should have been. But going forward, I think they may have turned the corner with that coaching change, man. I mean, what what is record to be what with the coaching change? Three and one if they wouldn't have lost that girly game. So yeah, it would have been three and zero, but now they're two and one since the coaching change. That's what I'm saying. Like so, and, and you know that, that he may have found what they needed—a coaching change. So. Yeah, you feel for Carolina too. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater got banged up, you know, with that that hard hit by by hair. But yeah, I mean, he's not going to get suspended. They already said that. And I think he might get fined. So he did get ejected. Charles Harrell did with that hit on Teddy Bridgewater. So he got nope. banged up. They had to bring on PJ Walker from Temple. Did very well. They had a great career at Temple. So what a way you know, to come! What a way to come into your first game, right? <laughs> on Thursday you know, in, front, in front of you, millions of people watching. <laughs> oh boy. He came from that XFL. He came from yes, the XFL. So, yes, he know, did. I was rooting. That was their MVP. Yes, yeah. So, I was definitely rooting for him because, you know, I was an XFL fan because of where they come from. You know, I ride with mm-hmm. WWE. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I was rooting for him when he hit the field, actually, the whole time. But Atlanta might have turned some corners, man. I mean, I really, I really think they got a little too much talent down there on offense to be losing so much. All right, La- Lakina, let's call an audible here as hopefully we get, uh, we'll wait our guests. Hopefully, let's do our uh, NFL picks real quick for week eight. I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> All right. I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> All right. And just for, you know, just for real purpose of fancy purposes, Arizona, Washington, Jacksonville, and Houston are all on bye. So if you have Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, if you have the Washington defense, and if you have, uh, well, I don't know who in Jacksonville, but also if you have Deshaun Watson. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you have Deshaun Watson or the Houston defense, you know, you make sure to bench them for all your fantasy players. So with on that note. Um, first game. Uh, other day was the Indiana, Indianapolis and Detroit. Uh huh. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can start with that. Yeah, Lamont. Yeah, Lamont, you go ahead and start it off. Yeah. Well, yeah, Indianapolis and Detroit. Uh, Detroit got lucky. I think Indianapolis <laughs> will bounce back and beat up Detroit. I think they gonna they gonna beat up on Matthew Stafford. I think Indianapolis has gotten an ugly taste in their mouth the last couple of weeks. I think the disrespect that they've been getting is just worldwide now. And they've been a, they going to they gonna get all of their respect back. And that game, I think they're going to get it all back in that one to win that game. So you pick, so you pick Indy, right? I pick Indy, yeah. No, I had lost you on the screen. That's why I was trying to see what happened. We'll go. We'll, yeah, you back now. I think you're coming back now. Here yeah. we are. All right. So yeah. So you pick it, yeah, right? I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Yep. I'm going Indianapolis. Colts for me. Same here. Colts. All right. A big one here in the AFC North. You got the undefeated Steelers and the five and one Baltimore Ravens. I'm looking forward to this one. This is going to be a lot of fun. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if one of those like six, three, nine, six, or you know, games like that. I'm gonna get the edge yeah, to Baltimore because they're they just got off a bye, and the Steelers did not get <laughs> they didn't get any favors by not having to face Baltimore now on a bye. They had a hard fought win against the Titans. Probably should have lost that game. 
I think, you know, John Harbaugh will have his guys ready. And like I said, don't be, don't be surprised if one of those, you know, comes down to field goals. And with all that said, I'm picking Baltimore. Well, I'm, I'm going with Pittsburgh on the road. And I'll be watching this game via my computer. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm Hey, they, uh, is that game that they're not? That's not their game on TV this week. That, no, not that, for that, no, not for Chicago. Uh, uh-uh. not for your viewers in Chicago. No, no. Okay, I have to pull that one up then, because um, my mother already asked me when do he play again. So I'm going with Pittsburgh though, also because I don't think Pittsburgh feel like they ain't got no respect. Don't nobody respect them. Everybody's dropping them way below Green Bay, below Tampa Bay, below Tennessee. Pittsburgh feel like how we ain't getting no respect and ain't nobody beat us. So <laughs> I think this they this they respect game and, and they gonna get it. All right, a potentially intriguing one here. You got the Rams and the Dolphins. <sighs> yeah, that's a tough one, right? <laughs> yeah, one, right? yeah. I feel bad for the kid. Why would you throw him out there against Aaron Donald? and Jalen Ramsey in his first game. Why? This is not Alabama, brother. And he will see. And I don't believe in not knocking uh, Miami's coach's play call and ability. But you do not throw that man out there against two first-class players on both levels of the field in in his first game. You don't do that. So I think the Rams going to win because of either them hitting the little brother too hard or a mistake that he's going to make. So I'm going with the Rams. Call me crazy. I'm going with the upset here. I'm going with the Dolphins because they had a week off. And number two, the Rams are on a short work week. They played last Monday against the Bears. They're feeling themselves right now, and rightfully so. But they had to come cross-country all the way to the East Coast uh, they lost on the East Coast early in the year at Buffalo. Uh, they don't have any tape on tour. You can't watch it from college. College is totally different from the NFL. I think Miami has some things in store for the Rams, so I'm going with the Dolphins in an upset. Uh, I think Dolphins will keep it close, but I think the Rams will end up winning it, though. I know, like you said, so they're coming across country, short week, but I just don't see this. You know, This could be a tra- trap game for them, but I think, the, I think the Rams will pull it out. All right, you got, the, you got the Jets and the Chiefs. Yeah, we'll see. Keep it quick. Chiefs. 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 <laughs> All right, you got, you know, NFC North. You got Vikings and Packers. I hate to say it every week, but Green Bay. Packers. 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 All right, there we go. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Cleveland Browns. Should be a good one here. Uh, oh, mm. Ooh, that's a tough one, right? <laughs> another tough one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? The, the pick I sent you in, Lakina, on the sheet, I had Las Vegas marked, right? Because, uh-huh. because I believe uh, that they would run the ball past Cleveland, and Cleveland doesn't have their running back back yet like they should. But I would like to flip that. And I think Baker Mayfield is a much better quarterback without his quote-unquote number one weapon. I think them losing them makes Odell Beckham, I mean, losing Odell Beckham has made Baker Mayfield better for some reason. So, you know what? Leave it like it is, though. I'm going to go with Las Vegas, but I do think Baker Mayfield just might be back. But I'm going to stick with Las Vegas. I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'm going with Cleveland because of their running game. 
Cleveland too, same reason. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'm not going to change it. I'm going to stay with Vegas because I wrote it down. All right. I, all right, Titans and Bengals. The Titans, even though Joe Barrow is the real deal. This will be, yeah, this will I'm going be with Tennessee as well. High score to Farrell, but I think Tennessee pulls it out in the end. Good one here in the AFC East. You got the Patriots and the Bills. Buffalo all day. No Julie uh, Edelman for New England. Yep. Uh, no running game, which means no win. I'm going with Buffalo at home. I'm oh. going with I'm going with Buffalo also, but Cam playing for his life and his job. Yeah, but I think Buffalo Buffalo wants to make a statement. Oh, yeah, well, they, yeah, I think they, Buffalo is going to make a statement, so I'm going to say Buffalo too. All right, here in the AFC West, Chargers and Broncos. I would pick the Chargers. Chargers and Broncos. I picked the Chargers. Uh, I'm going with the Chargers as well. NFC West, 49ers and the Seahawks. Since most of America will be watching the Bears poop against the Saints, Fox is running this game at the same time. Your children will be watching it via my computer. (laughs) And the 49ers, uh, they've been scuffling along all season. Uh, This is where the bug stops. Seattle's coming off a bye – not a bye week. uh, They're coming off a tough loss uh, to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday Night Football. They gave their game away. I think they learned their lesson. They're back home. Uh, They're going to take care of business against a – Injury riddle 49ers team. Great win by the 49ers on the road last week, but they're running to a better team in, in Seattle. So I'm going with the Seahawks in a close one. I'm going with Seattle and probably, but Seattle. Close one, but I think Seattle. Mm-hmm. All right, NFC East, you know, sorry for all the nation that has to watch this on Sunday Night Football, Cowboys and the Eagles. I would pick the Eagles because they actually care. So I'm picking the Eagles. <laughs> I'm not watching this garbage, and I'm picking the Eagles. <laughs> but we, we got to watch it for research purposes, but it's for first place, ain't it? Yep. Believe <laughs> I'm, it technically. <laughs> I'm going with Philadelphia because Dallas, Dallas need an owner. <laughs> All right. Another kind of you can say a poop one here. Bucks and Giants. Bucks win a, Bucks in a blowout. Definitely Bucks in a blowout. Tampa Bay. All right, last but not least, Saints and the Bears. <laughs> what, was that intentional, Lamont? <laughs> was that cough intentional? <laughs> you got to pick somebody, Lamont. Yep. All right. He's going with New Orleans. Okay, he's going with New Orleans. All right. All right. Uh, we forced him into it, but, yeah, he's picking the Saints. And what do you think, Sid? Said, I just touched it. So. He touched. Okay, he touched the <laughs> Jersey. For those, for those so of you who are that's... watching on Kobe Watches on YouTube, uh, Lamont picked the, picked the Bucks, and he has the uh, Drew Brees' jersey in the back, so <laughs> behind him. So. <laughs> the Bears' jersey is right here. Okay. <laughs> but I touched, I touched one of them. He didn't, he touched his own jersey, so I'm a little I'm a little surprised by that. <laughs> All right, Sid. Okay, who you got, Sid? I'm going with the Saints. Too many questions on the other side for the Chicago Bears right now. Allen Robinson, as of this broadcast, is still in pro, a concussion protocol. You mentioned Colin Mack with an injury. I think they'll play better, kind of, but I, I don't see them doing enough to beat the Saints at home. 
I just don't see it. I so I'm going with New Orleans. I, yeah, I know it's like pundits here in Chicago are saying, well, it's going to be like, going to be in the 30s, going to be like 30, 40 mile an hour winds. I mean, look, come on. I, I'm sure some of these guys have probably played like in uh, cold weather in college. You know, Drew, Drew Brees went to Purdue. So it's not like he's not used Thank to play the cold, cold weather. So I think right. all the people who are trying to, in, here in Chicago, are trying to make this like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be freezing. <laughs> last year so exactly it was cold last year Mm -hmm. so i think people (laughs) need to kind of chill with the bare weather thing but uh it's gonna be close but i think the the saints will pull it out because i trust their offense more than i trust the bears offense simple as that remind me to give y'all a comment about that off there okay (laughs) sounds good so those are our week eight picks and uh let's take a quick break is that okay with you guys yeah Never you say so. All right. Yeah, yep. let's right. take a 20. All right, absolutely. So let's, you know, we got, still got a lot to talk about, too. We're going to have, you know, the wonderful WBEZ's longtime sports reporter, Cheryl Ray, down to talk about uh, a change in the White Sox. I got my thoughts on that. And I'm sure all, you know, my, my guys here got their thoughts as well. Also, college football. COVID has hit college football. We'll talk about that, too. Also, of course, you know, the World Series, which also was hit by COVID. So still a lot to do. We'll be right yeah. back with more Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom, Halloween. Zoom! (laughs) And we'll be right back on that note. (laughs) Welcome back to the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Zoom style! Happy Halloween! Zoom style! Along with the cast of characters, Miss Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott, I am City Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CKID. Once again, at CKID, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. And despite that scary voice, I'm I'm nice. I'm nice. I promise. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter <laughs> and at Keenan Osgo McGee on the IG. <laughs> Follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. And you can catch this podcast along with our other programming from War Media, a.k.a. We Are Regal Radio, by simply searching for War on Anchor, which keeps you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. We're also on iHeartRadio. Please download the iHeartRadio app. And after that, search for War on Anchor. You'll catch our podcast there. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, that's W-A-R-R Media. You can watch us do our thing live. Uh, You can see our lovely faces. (laughs) Ta-da! Yeah, make sure you like, subscribe on on the War Media YouTube channel. Yeah. Yes, Uh, please like, share, subscribe. Get those likes up. Get them up, get them up, get them up. And tell your friends. (laughs) all right the Dodgers you know this couple of days ago the Dodgers won the World Series for the first time in 32 years since 1988 coming back to beat the Rays in game six but also the the weird stuff kind of happened after the game during all the pregame stuff it came out that Justin Turner had tested positive for COVID but then actually went out out there to celebrate with his team and then yeah you know Rob Manfred had mic issues yeah, which, which was very uncomfortable. So, well, I'll start with you, Sid. What did you think about game six and also all the stuff that kind of transpired afterwards? 
First of all, on to the game. Congratulations to the Dodgers. They earned it and they deserved it. They were the best team from start to finish all year. So, And also congratulations to Dave Roberts. Uh, we had some storylines in our last podcast. So congratulations to Dave Roberts. The monkey's finally off his back, no pun intended. So he has the World Series title underneath his belt. He doesn't answer, have to answer about 2017 ever again but in, the, in the short and long term. As far as the game is concerned, and also congratulations to Clayton Kershaw that uh, Monkey's finally off his back as well. I think this will put him in the Hall of Fame. He's jumped a few people in front of the Lions in terms of his Hall of Fame inductions when he finally hangs it up, whenever that is. But to the actual game, Blank Snell was pitching the game of his life uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays. This was actually Tampa's game seven. Kevin Cash, who I've given credit to on this program the last couple of years because of analytics and whatever stupid, foolish methods that they go by, he decided to take Blake Snell out. If you saw Snell's reaction, he didn't like it at all. He was going. He thought that he can get out of the inning. Obviously, when he was pulled, the game uh, came on rival for Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I'm with Tim Kirchin of ESPN. He said this the following day. Uh, we all know that uh, baseball is about numbers, and analytics is a part of the game. But if you want to rely on that solely to make up out a line of card or to make a tough decision, you might as well throw that method out the window. There's no room for thinking and for gut feeling anymore. It, it has to be a balance there. Right now, there's just no balance, and I don't get it. Okay. And and, and it's funny. I'm going to start at the back and go back to the front to catch on what you was just saying. See, if they go by that, you might as well let a computer be the coach, period, <laughs> if they're going to go by that. Yeah. I mean, for him taking that man out that game is the reason they lost. So. Mm -hmm. That's why they lost. And if they're going by the numbers, so to speak, they're declining the options on uh, Zanino and Morton going into 2021. So you tell me it's all numbers? I think they okay with making it so far and just, just crash the team. Boom, that's like a plane. Okay, we here. We didn't make it. Boom, crash. Let's go back, build up, get again, get rid of the players. Don't take this player there. Get rid of this player there. So it's a lot going on over there at Tampa Bay. And like we said with the Dodgers, I thought Mookie Betts was the difference mentally, physically, and emotionally with that team making it to the World Series. And congratulations to them. They were the best top to bottom. They deserved it. And that situation with Mr. Turner, at that point, they what what I wouldn't, I would have been just like the team. Come on back out here and celebrate with us. Hug us, kiss us, do all of that because you've been doing it the whole game. They didn't take them out to the eighth inning anyway. So my, I blame Major League Baseball. If anybody, how did you allow the game to start without finding out the results of that test would be my question if I was asking questions to somebody. How can you take a person out in the game and say, oh, you tested now? Yeah, you got to come out. Well, no, I'm like them. I'm like the team, too. If anybody deserved to be out there, he do. He was there before most of us. He lost these last three years in the World Series, so to speak. So, yes, I would have been out there with him celebrating, hugging him and everything else because if I got it, I got it by now because he was in the dugout throwing stuff around and high-fiving the whole day. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't really have a problem with him being out there because he had been with him, so – but I blame Major League Baseball, if anybody, for it. Because how do you allow that game to start without getting that result? How you going to get everybody result except his? No, I don't care if you have to start the game a little later. You just – you don't do that. All right, first I'll start from the, uh, from the, from the front end. For the back end, and then I'll go to the front end. 
Cash had no business taking Snell out. Snell was dealing. You know, he was able to hold off so, you know, some Dodgers threats, but when he took him out, he kind of thought, he kind of knew that the Dodgers sort of, you know, kind of woke up as soon as they, as soon as Snell was taken out. Then they were able to score those two runs, and that's all that really they needed to sort of hang on. They had an extra bets hit the extra insurance run to kind of, you know, to kind of, you know, give them that little cushion. So there you go. And look, I'm happy for Dave Roberts. I'm happy for Clayton Kershaw. They finally got their rings, everything, you know, Corey Seager, Mookie Betts gets another ring at a different team. So I, I feel as though that this is, you know, this was very well deserved for the, uh, for the Dodgers. And I, I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm happy for him as far as, Real as far as the whole tur- the Turner thing is concerned, he had no business being out there. I'm sorry. It, he didn't. I mean, you know, we'll talk more about it later on, but we've got well, a friend of the show, WBEZ sports reporter. You know, we had her on before. She is the legendary Miss Cheryl Ray Stout. Cheryl, how are you? Hi, how are you? We're doing well. We're happy to have you back on the show as always. Now, I'll set it up here. The White Sox named Tony La Russa as manager. Um, I'll start with, before we get into our thoughts, because I have a lot of thoughts, but <laughs> Cheryl, I'll let you go first. What do you think about the move? Well, I think for a lot of people, it's perplexing because everyone thought that they'd get somebody that's uh, newer to, to, the, you know, to the game as far as the last few years, having success. Um, and I've had to think about this a lot because I do know Tony very well. I did cover him. In fact, he was my first White Sox manager I covered, and he was the only manager and head coach of any team that accepted me. He took me to all the security guards to make sure that they didn't hassle me. So, and I also produced his radio show. So I, I, I've known him a long time, but I do know from that time till now, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. Um, but I will say this, he is a very, very smart baseball man. He speaks Spanish fluently. His mother is Spanish, was Spanish. So, you know, people like, they assume that he doesn't have, you know, an identity with any culture. He does with the Hispanics and he will with that clubhouse. Um, but the fact is that he has been out of the dugout for nine years. And so that has to be in a lot of people's minds, like, is he going to be a modern time manager? And I know a lot is brought up about what happened in what he said in 2016 with, with Colin Kaepernick. I think, I know that that's a big bone of contention with people. With that said, remember until this year, there was only one player that kneeled in baseball, one. And that was 2017, right. when, uh, I'm sorry. Maxwell, when he kneeled and was pretty much ostracized from baseball, nothing was done in baseball by any means until this year. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exonerating Tony, but I'm saying that he was part of everybody else, including managers, including players, and including general managers. They kind of like, you know, we don't want to be part of it until what happened this year. So I want to make that clear. And, and the other thing is people bring up the fact about, you know, how can he handle the Tim Anderson's type of bravado, which I think is terrific, and, and other players. Do you know who he managed? Ricky Henderson. If there's anybody right. That right. Yeah. That's a little bit, you know, different, Ricky Henderson was different. And, 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 and in a good way, you know, and, and he accepted. So there's a lot of things I know that people are concerned about his age, can he connect with the players in the dugout and in the locker room? 
And I will have to tip my cap to Ricky Renteria, how he developed that culture. And he did a great job with that. His issue was the X's and O's, the, 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 the management decisions that he made. And that is where Tony's very, very good at. So, it's, you know, I know I said a lot, but it's, there's, a, there's a lot there because there's so much to, there's so many layers to this story. Hi, Cheryl. Nice to see you and talk to I you again. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, GM Rick Hahn. Of course, listen to uh, snippets of his press conference from Thursday. It, uh, it, if you really look at, into it and listen to what he said, uh, the hiring of LaRusso wasn't really his call. It was Jerry Reinstorf, the owner's call. Uh, talk to us about uh, Rick Hahn, what a job he has done up to this point, and, and are his days number as a GM of the White Sox based on his hiring on Thursday? It's going to be interesting um, because he's the one that talked Jerry Reinsdorf into doing a rebuild. That was Rick Hahn that, that mm -hmm. did that. Mm -hmm. So, and, and we, were under, we understood that these decisions were Rick Hahn. With that said, we did find out yesterday, and of course, with all the rumblings going on, that Jerry Reinsdorf reached out to Tony La Russa first. And then Rick Hahn and Ken Williams. Don't forget, Ken Williams is part of this equation too. Mm -hmm. And the consensus was that they would hire Tony Lusa. I, I do know there's going to be some questions about that. I do know we wonder how much Rick Hahn feels usurped by this. I don't know. It's hard to tell. And in that, in that press conference yesterday, it, it, you know, Rick's, uh, Rick's also a lawyer, so he knows how to, mm -hmm. you know, he, he knows how to have yeah. to So we don't yeah. know. Lamont? Oh, how you doing? Glad Good. to have you so I was wondering, what do you think Tony La Russa can bring to that young team that they need as far as with all of the experience that he has? What is the one or two things you think he can give them that could get them to that next level that he's been to multiple times? He handles bullpens very well. And in this day and age, that's actually probably one of the primary things you have to do. I'm talking baseball strategy right now. So with that said, that's something he could do. And he was the first one to institute the changing of the, of the relief pitchers. He, that was him that started yeah. that. And, and, and so he could bring that. He's also, his acumen for baseball is really off the charts. And, you know, and I, again, I don't know if nine years he's been in front offices. He had, it's not like he's been sitting at home in a rocking chair at this point. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he, has been, he has been in the front office of the Red Sox, the Diamondbacks, and recently with the Angels. And the one, per, one person he got to know a little bit, to know a little bit about being an older manager and handling younger talent, he was with Joe Madden last year. So he got to know Joe Madden, you know, this, this past season. So there's a, there's a lot there. I, I think he's going to have to sit down. And I think, you know, I know we have to do Zoom and everything, but I think at some point he has to sit down with the Tim Andersons, the Lucas Giolitos, yeah. you know, the, the uh, Eloy Menes. You know, he's got to sit down with all these guys because they are, they are the cachet for this team being successful. And he has to make sure, he has to really make sure that they're on the same page with him. And I know he can do that. Because he's, he, he's a very difficult person for us in the media sometimes, but he is a staunch, staunch supporter of his players. He, can I give you a story about what of he course. did? Of course. Go ahead. Go ahead. When he was with the Oakland A's, 
as the manager at, at Old Comiskey Park, a White Sox pitcher, Bobby Thigpen, beaned Terry Stoudbach. Knocked him out, knocked out the catcher at, you know, at the plate. Tony, I mean, Tony went ballistic. Ballistic. I mean, he went nuts. He took the bat. Now, that was when there was a screen between the press box. The press box was real low. And, and he threw the bat up. And we're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he was like, and then afterward, I mean, he was, and then the, both dugouts came out. They were, you know, exchanging things. And Tony goes, I'm going to put a target on your back, he says to, uh, Carrollton Fisk, I'm going to put a target on you back, your back, Isaac Ian. Then, you know, cooler heads prevailed. They went back to the locker room. The game was finished. You know, this was like the top of the eighth inning, or no, it was the eighth inning. You know, it was, it was five to three. There's no way, you know, your, your closers try to hit somebody. After the game, this is, this is pure gold. After the game, Tony's in his office, and he says to the reporters, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I, I just don't want to talk about what happened. And Bob Glass, a, a real small AP writer goes, be a man. Tony goes, be a man, be an effing man. And he goes crazy, <laughs> he goes crazy. And Dave Henderson, I'm sorry, um, Dave Stewart, Stewart. and Ricky Henderson picked up Bob Glass, picked him up and threw him out of the locker room. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. The world day me anywhere. Right? Oh, my gosh. That's how ferocious, but that's also how loyal the players became to him. Now, I don't know, and that's a long time ago, but I, I hope, I hope he doesn't do anything crazy like that because I don't want to be one of those people thrown out. <laughs> but I hope that he can build that loyalty, earn the respect, and listen to what, listen to them on how they want to be as a player. That's really important. We're talking to Cheryl Ray Stout of WBEZ here on Second City Sports Zoom Style. You, you can follow her at, at C Ray Stout on the Twitter. Um, Cheryl, she, he's 76 years old. I mean, he's only a couple yeah. years older than my mom. And my mom, when she found out about the news, she said, really, they're bringing Tony, I mean, uh, Tony LaRusa back? Really? Because she remembers when he was here the first time. You know, she lived here in Chicago all, you know, her whole life. But we're in the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, we'll, we don't know what the, the, the schedule is going to be, but is there going to be a lot of travel? Do you think that's going to be an issue for him? Well, he was, that subject was broached to him. And, uh, he, he believes he can do it. We don't know. You know, you just don't, don't know. I mean, some, we got two people running for president there in their 70s. You know? I mean, we yeah. have that going on. Um, and he's, you know, he's somebody that's, that's in good condition. I've never heard of Tony having any medical conditions. Right. And if you listen to that hour, it was an hour press conference yesterday. I didn't detect any type of slippage, you know, mental or cognitive mm -hmm. issues. You know, I mean, to me, because I've been around people, I've had my father and stuff like that, that had those and, and you, you pick them up. You, 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 can, you can tell right away. I didn't hear that. Unless, he's, unless he could hide that, I don't know. <laughs> mm. I, I just want to take back off your point, Cheryl, about you were talking about 
Tony LaRusso earlier about uh, talking to the important members of the team like Giolito and Eloy Jimenez especially because that's the only thing I'm really worried, uh, in quotes, uh, concerned about because uh, Major League Baseball has been um, been presented in one of the ad campaigns from a couple of years ago with now Hall of Famer King Griffey Jr. saying let the kids play. Of course, it's, it's always generational how players celebrate. You brought up Ricky Henderson early. He was hated for it by his, his peers, but he was loved by the fans because of it. And the reason why I'm concerned about that with Tony LaRusso is because you remember Don Manley, who played his entire career with the Yankees. He managed – he's current manager of the Miami Marlins now, but when he managed the Dodgers – he had a player named Yasiel Play. He came in with the uh, youth of exuberance, and he uh, he tried to eliminate that from his game. And that's why uh, Puig struggled big time. People don't want to talk about that. But that's just my main concern well, with Tony LaRusso managing uh, this ball club. He has all the baseball knowledge in the world, no doubt. But I want to see if he's going to let those uh, players like Tim Anderson and other players that I mentioned, let them be themselves without letting it ruin the ball club. Yeah, but you kind of answered the question yourself. Don Manley was raised in the Yankee system, and that's the way they did it. Tony's been in, been in three dugouts with three different teams, the White Sox, the Oakland A's, and also the St. Louis Cardinals. And so he had, a lot of, he, had, he, you know, he had a lot of different type of players. And different than Manley, he has allowed players to be themselves. And, he's, and, and, he, and the thing is, when the media will, will talk to Tony about a player, he will never, I'll tell you, he will never throw them under the bus because he never does. So I, I do believe it's incumbent on him to rest those fears with the players first and then the fans. The players have to believe that he believes in them and will allow them to be what they want to be and how they, they do it. So that's going to be very important. Um, and, and, and the thing is, about Tony, he also, he constantly evolved in his career. You know, he, he always learns things. And I think it's gonna be very important who's gonna be his bench coach. I think it's gonna be very important who's gonna be his pitching coach. And I think that's where they have to go with somebody that can balance the age issue and also help. Your bench coach in this instance, I think is gonna be very, very important. I think that bench coach has got to be the person to help, you know, bridge that gap and kind of, you know, piece this puzzle together to make sure that Tony and, and, and to be able to, to say no to Tony, that's going to be really important. No, you, you can't do that. This is how we do it. You know? And, and so I'm kind of curious that to me is where the curious uh, nature of this, will it be somebody from the organization or will they go outside the organization and that bench coach would be the heir apparent to Tony. It yes. has, so I, I think that's a real important piece of the puzzle. Did that make sense to you? Yeah. 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 Yes. Lamont. I, no, I, I, I was a fan of Tony when he was here, and he maybe shouldn't have never left. And now that he's back, I'm wondering: Do you think his reign of great managerial wins and success will continue now that he's back? Because he ain't did nothing but been wonderful since he left, and maybe he shouldn't have left in the first place. So, do you think now that he's back, it's gonna just continue? It's going to be interesting. I mean, when he left, his last game as a manager was winning the World Series with the Cardinals in 2011. Can you imagine? You go off into the sunset, you get a World Series, then you go in the Hall of Fame, yep. and now you're back in it. And that's going to be interesting because the thing is, is he 
winning. I mean, he lives and dies by the wins and losses. I mean, the, I, I know that for a fact. <laughs> and, and, and I think he will, his, his, his resume, I know because it, it, it's difficult for anybody today to realize, but, but I think if you're a baseball purist, you do have to look at those wins that he had. You do have to see that he's you know, very high on the list for managers in baseball history. And so I think that's where the players have to buy in that he could win. And he, again, he's going to have to sell it. He's going to have to tell them, look, okay, this is how I can win. This is what we have to do. And, and I think it would have been interesting, like during this last World Series, you know, when you see what Kevin Cash did, what did he do? He effed up because he was too much into <laughs> He was too much into the analytics. Yeah. Tony won't do that. That's not what he does. That's, that's just, that's not, I mean, he, he, he does, in fact, again, he was, in fact, I know the person that was his, his analytics guy when he was with the White Sox. He was an intern at DePaul. And then he eventually became the assistant general manager with the White Sox and then went on to be the assistant general and the general manager of the Dodgers, that's Dan Evans. So Tony was always introduced to that type of stuff, but Tony's also, into having that gut feeling about a player, about a situation, and he will not overthink it or underthink it the way Ricky Henderson, Ricky um, Renteria did. Yeah, you just answered my, you just answered my next question, Cheryl. Uh, do you think that Tony will kind of embrace the analytics or like you said, will he kind of mix it up or will he go by the gut as he always done? Do you think, how, how do you think he's going to embrace the analytics part of baseball, which has come dominant? It, 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 is, it is hard to, you know, I, I can't, because I don't know what it's definitely going to be like, but they do know that he is one of those, um, he, 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 he's one of those people that can change with, with, with information. And I think, you know, and I think, remember what's happening in baseball right now, scouts are being cut. Yeah. You know, staffs are being reduced greatly. So it's going to, be, I think, I think analytics is going to be there, but I think, I think part of analytics will not be there because you don't, not going to have the personnel anymore. So I think that's, that's the quandary all of baseball is dealing with. And so Tony's going to have to really, I mean, Rick Hahn has to sit down with Tony Russa and say, look, we want you to be able to use this stuff. Because in most cases in baseball, if you're, not a, if you're not a top flight manager, do you know that the general managers are handing them their lineup cards? That's what's going on in baseball now. Mm -hmm. mm, yep. They're telling them who to play, when to play, when not to play them. And, and at some point, I, I'd like them to go back to feeling the moment. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just a little bit. You know, have your gut feeling. I mean, Joe Madden has a lot of faults, but Joe Madden had a gut feeling when he did it. Um, and, That's and, exactly did it this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Rick, you know, I think Ricky Renteria – um, he was trying to use analytics, especially when, when he was having the, you know, in the playoffs, you know, when he's pulling guys out, I'm like, Ooh, that was going to come back to haunt you. And it did. Sharon Ray Stato, WBZ 
95FM sports reporter here in Chicago joins us here on Second City Sports Weekend Edition along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown. As we discuss the hiring of Tony LaRusso for the Chicago White Sox, Cheryl, you also are a historian as well. Uh-oh. And you, you were uh, not to age you anything. Yeah, no. You like me, we're 29 years old. Yeah, but it's only 29 years old. You mentioned you were working um, uh, on the flagship station at the time when Tony LaRusso was managing the White Sox. I tweeted out a picture yesterday. I'm I'm sure you remember this as as well. Now Hall of Fame broadcaster Hawk Harrelson, he was the GM back then. He had this famous poster, which I tweeted out yesterday. The Hawk wants you as the Sox spirit. And I said in my tweet that he gave LaRusso his walking papers in the middle of that 86 season. From your vantage point, Cheryl, uh, Hulk Harrison, uh, by the way, he was on another radio station in town yesterday. Of course, he said he would keep that between himself and Tony. Uh, from your vantage point, what caused the breakdown uh, between LaRusa and Harrelson? And what were the issues going on from your vantage point? What ultimately led to LaRusa's firing? Ooh, there was a whole lot. When Roland Heeman was fired and and Jerry Reinsdorf made probably the biggest blunder. Well, one of his biggest blunders was hiring Hawk Harris, Harrelson for that job. And Hawk completely decimated the minor league system. Yep. He brought in Elvin Dark to be the head of minor leagues and look his information up. Google him if you want to find okay. out an insanity that was. He had, and, and, I, and I love him dearly, Dick Allen was the hitting coach. <laughs> oh wow! Oh my gosh! Oh, wow. Okay. okay. There, there was, there was all sorts of you know hirings and firings and stuff like that from the top down. They, he made him put Carlton Fisk in left field. Ooh. <laughs> oh, okay. So I mean, oh, oh my gosh! Lots of people don't remember some of this stuff. Here's something else he did. I'll never forget this. Hawk didn't when he fired him. Eventually, he actually tried to fire him weeks before. We had a reporter that went to the Yankees hotel and found Billy Martin at the bar because we had a little birdie say, something's going on with Billy Martin and the White Sox. And Billy Martin admitted that Hawk Harrelson had already talked to him about taking over the job for Tony La Russa. So Tony was actually fired twice that year. Not oh. once, but twice. <laughs> oh my gosh. So let's just say there was a lot of acrimony. They didn't get along at all. I mean, it was, it was totally, totally chaotic. And then he, you know, he fires Tony, hires Jim Fergosi. And then at the trading deadline, he, he trades Bobby Bonilla to Pittsburgh for Jose de Leon. I got yeah. to know Bobby very well that year. And Bobby, was, Bobby had a personal issue that was going on. I won't say what it is, if he ever wants to say it at some point, but he confided in me what happened did not tell management, kind of went to a funk. And, and then he gets traded. And then what it happens, becomes an all-star player. Carlson, yeah. at every turn, it was insane. And at the point that he, after he made that trade, every day I try to call, I call up Hawk to try to talk to him, you know, like to do an interview. Every day I called up the secretary who I love her dearly. I'd say, can I talk to Hawk? Well, he's not here. Can I, when will he be back? I don't think he's going to be back today. I said, is he golfing? Mm. <laughs> Every day for the rest of the season. Oh my gosh. So, you know, 
<laughs> and then when he retired, Hawking retired, he said, yeah, it was such a hard year. And I'm like, you were golfing for the last two freaking months. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, it, it was, it was not a good, not a good partnership at all. None. And, and he knew the, what the end result was going to be, but he decimated the minor league system pretty well. And Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid to this day. $1 million every July 4th. Every July 4th, yep. He'll be wearing Mets gear for the rest of his life. I'm oh, sure yeah. he's got a tattoo somewhere. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Go ahead, Lamont. And his children and his grandchildren. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Go ahead, Lamont. I was saying, now that, now that we've made this decision, and like I say, I, I wasn't that upset with the decision because of all he's done. What's the one thing you think he's gonna do to surprise all the naysayers and the ones that don't believe that he still has it and that he's too old to do it? What do you think he's gonna do to surprise them all? I think he'll win. I think he'll win. I, I think. He, yeah, I think he. I think, you know, he has to. You know, it could be a one and done for him if he doesn't win. And but we do have to we do have to remember we don't know about right. the season, we yeah. don't know when things will be normal, because any normal for me I don't is it normal for any of you guys? Nope. No, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. You get a feeling like it's going to happen anytime soon? Doubtful. Nope. Doubt it. So, with that said, until we know when the season starts and when he you know, and I think it's this is really hard to be changing any type of uh, leadership in any type of role for anything, sports, you know, business, when you change leadership, because we're doing everything by Zoom. And it's great mm -hmm. you guys could do a show, but in baseball and football and hockey and basketball, you got to see people, you got to talk to them, you got to read their body language, you got to be able to, you know, you know, have private conversations, you know, and, and so I think winning's got to be it, Lamont, to really answer, he has to win. And I think he can win. And I think Rick Hahn has to support him with some more free agents. I think they got to get themselves. I think you don't know what's going to happen with some of the, these players that were young and were, you know, I think they, some of them were, were rushed along and it worked out, especially with the bullpen. But we don't know about Dylan Cease. We don't know about Dane Dunning. And the, the real key is Michael Kopech. We yeah. have no yes. idea. Can you imagine if he was okay to be able to play this year? They could have won if he was, you know, so that's, that's a long answer to your short question. <laughs> do you, do you, do you think it's going to be an issue to kind of sign these free agents to, to like, you know, big contrast considering, you know, yeah. COVID and everything going on and every, you know, kind of, I'm sure the Cubs probably going to be spending much. I'm sure none of the teams are going to be spending too much. What do you think about that? I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think this is where, and that's why Jerry being 84 years old and knowing that, you know, the sand is running out of the, the glass. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah. I think he may allow them to spend some money on some guys. He did he did before this season, you know, and I think I think he may look at, you know, I think Tony's gonna analyze the team and I think uh Rick Hahn is gonna say, look, this is what we this is what we need and he has to go get it. And I you know, let's say they could sign a Trevor Bauer. Yes. That could Love put that. him over the top. Yeah, totally. They 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 need a starting pitcher. They need a right fielder. Uh, they have to decide the DH, and and I sadly I wish they could re-sign James McCann. 
James McCann is the glue to that role. And that uh, that's just devastating if they can't resign him. And, and I know it's hard to have two players make that much money and it's hard to have two starting catchers and that, you know, but boy, he's good. Yeah. Player I manager. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I always thought he could have been a player manager for the White Sox. It's just me. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you, his first year when we were able to be at the park, I was, it was midway through the season and I'm in the elevator with Carlton Fisk, who I know very well. And I said, Carlton, what do you think of James McCann? He goes, I love him. Carlton doesn't like people. <laughs> this is like catchers. He doesn't it, yeah. like people. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> and, and he said, I love him. And he started telling me why, you know, and, and his skills and what he does and what he, and he, and, and as a former catcher, he could see the things he does. And, and I, and afterward I was able to tell, I said, James, <clears throat> I, I met somebody that hasn't, he hadn't met, they had met. And I said, uh, there's somebody that, that I think you should know that is a fan of yours. And I, and I told him that he almost fell over. It was, it, you know, it's kind of neat that you be able, you know, I go, Carlton Fisk really likes what you do. And he goes, and I, I swear, he goes, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And it was like, oh, I felt like a little fairy, you know, I'm giving fairy dust to somebody. <laughs> oh, I love it. They, they, they sign them and if, if, if they can't use them, use them as that extra DH if need be. But I think they need to find a way to keep them there and do what they need to do. Remember what? Remember who was catching him for? Uh, who was catching Lucas Giolito for the no hitter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was him. It was McCann. Who was, yep. who was who was catching opening day with Lucas Giolito when he had trouble? McCann. Yep. No, it wasn't McCann. Oh, what, oh opening what, day oh. when when it was it was not. Grendel. McCann. Oh, no, Yep. Grendel. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, I think I think Grendel grew, grew into it, but I mean, when when you have a pitcher and a your ace pitcher with your catcher. On board yeah. together. Oh yeah, we saw that with uh, John Lester and and uh, David Ross. Yep. Sometimes, sometimes it just they're so in sync. That's why I think they should bring him as the DH. He can be that extra DH, and when he's not DH, and he can catch, but that glue will still be there. And it's gonna cost a lot to do, but we took a chance on Mazzara, so I figure we should like spend that little money. How about Encarnacion? Oh, yeah. oh, I would love. Oh, I wish they could keep him, but uh, mm. hard to do. You know what? He, I think with him, he needed the full season. Yeah. We don't know what he can do. I think the short season hurt him quite a bit. But um, I, I would, I wouldn't retain him if I were the White Sox, not at all. And and the uh, option, the options is a team option. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right, a few more minutes with Cheryl raced out here on Second City Sports Zoom style. Lamont, what's your next question for her? No, I, I was like, I was just following up with the McCann thing. I think if I were to bring anyone back, I would try to bring him back. But other than trying to keep a McCann and getting a Keiko, is, is, is it anything else out there you think Tony needs that could get him over that hump that you see, like, with like right now that they can go and get? Well, they got to retain Alex Calamay. That's another guy they have to retain. You know, it's hard to find closers. I, although they have some young guys that could be closer, but I, but I think you got to have you got to retain him and James McCann would be great. But I do think a starting pitcher is 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 got it. You have to go out and get one. You you hit pay dirt when you sign Dallas Keuchel, 
absolute pay dirt. The only problem was he had some back issues and stuff like that. And, and unfortunately he had the rough game too. But if you had a solid three, you go into the postseason, you got to have one, two, and three. And I think that, you know, going the, with these bullpen sessions, oh God, you yeah. know, it's a crapshoot because you got to keep, and if they keep that rule, we have to keep on the mound for three batters unless they're closing out an inning. Ah, it, you're stuck. You're stuck. So I, I, think, I think a starting pitcher, preferably a left-hander, but, you know, hey, if it's Trevor Bauer, you try for Trevor Bauer. You shoot for the moon at this point. What about Stroman? Do you think they got a chance at him? I think they could, but, you know, people are saying, oh, Stroman's not going to be happy with Tony Lewis. I, we don't know. You know what? Tony, Tony, Tony's going to have to be the one that has to, he's going to have to be there part of the recruiting of anybody. Yeah. It can't be Rick Hahn and, and Kenny, Ken Williams only. It has to be, Tony has to be there and he has to be able to be, have to be able to say the things that a free agent wants to hear and execute it. It can't be just words. He's got to execute that. Lamont? No, I was thinking while we was mentioning pitches, you saying the left-hander maybe even getting Quintana back over there as that third person and pulling him from the north side and getting him back over there to the White Sox to maybe be that third person. That's a possibility. I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't cost a lot of money at this point because, you know, it was very, this was a very hard year for him. I mean, when he cut his, you know, his thumb on that uh, wine glass, um, that really set him back. And then he had other issues because we don't know with all the soft tissue issues that people were having and, you know, what they were going through. So I don't, I don't know what his value is at this point, but that's, that's, a, good, that's a good thought. I mean, that, you know, the thing is, Gio Gonzalez was not the answer for them, that they thought he would be like a, you know, a fifth starter of that. So I think, I think yeah, Katana, he, I think he would be a number three. I think he'd be further down on, on the rotation. Let's talk a little Bears for a second there, here, Cheryl. Um, they got a big game tonight against the Saints. Do you think they can sort of right the ship with these, with the Saints in these next couple of games coming up against tougher competition? No. Oh, okay. We as of right, right now, yeah, their injury situation is a little rough. Ellen Robinson having a concussion makes it rough. Uh, so you're gonna have to rely on Donnell Mooney to be your go-to guy. And I think he's terrific. I think, I think the fact that the, where they got him in the draft and how he's performed is terrific. But I think the offensive line is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cody White here, he's got a calf injury. Uh, you are using, you know, the thing is James Daniels was actually starting to improve in his position and his injury is much more telling about that offensive line that people realize. So you, you're using a former defensive lineman as a guard and that's not working out in, in Rashid Coward. Um, so that's my, that's the real concern is, is the fact that they can't, you couldn't score a touchdown last week, your offense, you had to rely on your defense. Your defense kind of got gashed up, you know? And I think the problem is, is they were exhausted. The field position was terrible. You have to replace Ted Ginn Jr. as your punt returner. Ted Ginn Jr. And, and at this point in his career, I don't think he wanted to be back there. Mm -hmm. Do you? Do you think no, he wanted oh, no. to be back he, there? 
He didn't look comfortable at all. He's like, he's like, okay, I have an allergy. And it's the football coming at me from a punt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. I mean, I, I look, we've been telling people as we were trying to get Sid Dio's you know, connection to, well, to get going, but we've been, we were telling people, Cheryl, for the last few weeks that this, this team is, not, this is not I a five and two it. team. We've been saying it for, for months. Do, do you, do you think they're a five and two? I think that they had a lot of, you know, we have to remember there was no preseason. So anything that happened the first four weeks, I kind of go, hmm, it's kind of preseasonish. So those wins were kind of preseasonish, in my my view. They may sound weird, but but you know, we don't know how good the other the opponent was that they were facing. Like what what type of training camp were they having? What type of preseason would they have had? So I think the Bears caught luck, and the fact that they had to come back in all those wins, that doesn't bode well. And your fact that your your offense still didn't move the ball, especially on the ground. If you can't run the ball, all the defense has to do is pin back their ears and go, okay, meet, quarterback, I'm hungry, I'm going to get him. Yeah. That was going to be my question for you next. Do you think uh, the, the play calling of Matt Nagy is the reason the run game is suffering, or is it mostly offensive line and or is this his play calling I mean, he seems to call some interesting plays at some interesting times in that run game i i think you're right i think i think the play calling is now in question uh we've talked to matt Nagy this week and he is not talking about giving that up um but i think at some point he may have to because it's not working and 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 and, and the arrow points at him no, there's nobody else but him um, but, and, 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 you know, some of these, that fourth and it was a fourth and one with Cordell yeah. Patterson. Yep. Yep. Really? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Really? <laughs> one yard. Yeah. That's not. It, it does, it does, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they can, they can solve that problem because Tariq Cohen, you know, I mean, he wasn't a, he was not a great running back, but he's a nice specialty type player where you could do some, you know, some trick stuff with him. And I think that that hurt them. You know, it's, you know, they didn't have a lot of major injuries uh, except this, this past week, but before that, the two injuries to Daniels and to Cohen, I think hurt them more than um, they even realized it would happen. Do you think Trubisky makes an appearance? I mean, there are the you know, fans out there saying those Trubisky, you know, truthers are coming in. So, yeah, I, thought, I thought I thought that was going to happen. It would have happened last Monday. I thought that you know, I mean, it, you know, if all else fails, it would happen this Monday. But it, I think it would take an injury to Nick Foles in order to see Trubisky at this point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. He could be dealt by Tuesday. Could mm-hmm. if a team's looking for somebody, you know. I mean, you never know. You know, if, yeah. if you if you, sure. if, you could, if you get an offensive lineman. Um, would you trade him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. He's got, he's, he's got no contract at the end of the year. Yep. Yeah. And there are a couple Fine. of guys out there, too, so you yeah. never know. And, 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 and other offensive coordinators, other head coaches always think they could fix a problem. Yep. Their egos are enormous. And if Matt and if Matt Nagy's play calling has been the problem, that may have been one of Mitch's biggest problems. Also, he may couldn't call the plays that fit Mitch's skill set. So that may be one of the reasons why Mitch is in such a bad place. Also, so I've been questioning him for a while myself. Look at Adam Shaheen. 
he gets an okay. extension in okay. Miami. I'm like, what the heck? I mean, you know, <laughs> so if, if other teams could take your cast offs and make them into a player, then you have to wonder. And, and I, think, I think if anybody's on the hook at all this year, it's Ryan Pace, the general manager, no doubt. Because he's the one, you know, they're, they're, they're together, Pace and Nagy are together, but he's the one that thought that offensive line was good. I mean, look, 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 look at Leonard Ford. I mean, you know, you, you don't think he had that, that, you know, Monday night's game circled on his calendar. Come on now. Well, Leonard, I mean, Leonard Floyd <laughs> is, you know, I think, I think he's another, he's a cast off too to end up in the right situation. Um, but, but they were, tr they were trying to make him do something that he wasn't capable of doing. And so now he's in the system that is utilizing him in the right way. And I think him with, Aaron Donald, that's a nice one too. It just it just didn't work here. As Gus said, back. Yeah, I am back. Hey, <laughs> the, beautiful, the, the beauty and the uh, tragic of technology, but as we always do, we, we always make it make it our way to push through. Uh, since they started on the headache of the Bears, Cheryl, I'll I'll continue to pile on as we call it here this weekend's game against the Bears. Of course, most of the country will be watching the game uh, via Fox. We call it hashtag Bears poop. Of course, that's what we <laughs> saw on Monday night. It might be another uh, poop game, especially after what happened last year against the Saints with no Drew Brees and no Alva Kamara. Of course, both those players are back for the game this year. Uh, after last year's game, we saw a couple of Bears players uh, not treat the media and the fans so well. Of course, we saw the train go off the rails because they couldn't handle the sets from the previous year in 2018 when they won the NFC North. Do you kind of see the same thing happening, in the show? Heaven forbid they lose on Sunday, especially if they get blown out again. Do you see the uh, train coming off the rails once again? Because they have a much easier schedule this year than last year, plus with that extra wild card spot to try to get into the playoffs. Should the Bears get dominated again, do you see the train coming off the rails? I, I think these next three games, they could end up being 5-5 five and five going into their break. I, I do. I, I think they could lose these next three games and, and, and end up going into their bye week you know, uh, at 500. So, yeah, it could happen. <laughs> but they don't have any fans that can say anything to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Up on the road. On, on the road. One of the weirdest things was, and I was just looking at something on my phone, is that they had a video tribute to Gayo Sayers on that board that the, nobody saw but the media and, and people, you know, and the, the few people that were on the silence. I'm going, why why would you do that and not even have a patch on the jerseys of the players? <laughs> that, that, that. Wow. I mean, that's, that was, that's the right thing. But but the thing is, this this team, if they if they win on Sunday, if they win today, okay, hats off to them. But it, it would be planned. Uh quite the execution. And it's going to be very, very windy and cold. And, and that means that you're going to have to run the ball. <laughs> and when it's windy and cold and you can't run the ball and you have a, a punt returner that doesn't like returning punts, what type of field position are you going to have? 
<laughs> insane. Yeah, it is insane. A few more minutes with Cheryl raced out of WBEZ here on Second City Sports Zoom style. Um, Cheryl, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about this Bears team. Siddle tell you, it's a little bit the first to tell you that I, I've been bullish on this Bears team. I, I, I look, I've told you a couple of weeks ago, do you, do you think they finished strong or do you, do you think they somehow can make a run at the, 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 top, the division or maybe you know, even make the playoffs, you know, in, in general? I think these, I think these next three games will tell you everything about this team, because at this point of the season, except, you know, except for the trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday. You can't make any adjustments. There's nothing you can do. Your personnel is there. Unless, unless you have a, uh, a, a rookie that you haven't played or somebody that, you know, maybe you, you, that gets cut from another team, there's not much you can do with your personnel. And, and that's the problem for them that they have to face. So, okay, if you can't change the personnel, you have to change your schemes. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's, you know, like people are going, why is Dimitri Harris in the game? It's because they, they need him because the, the offensive line is so bad. You know, yeah. Cole, Cole Komet should be getting a lot more targets than he's getting. That kid can flat out play, but he still doesn't have all the, the nuances he needs to be, a, you know, a starter or, or be in there as much as he, he can. And that's where this uh, no preseason, having, you know, the short uh, training camp, you know, that really is affecting a lot of teams. And, and, and it's affecting the Bears probably a lot more than we thought would uh, until now. Last question from me, Cheryl, uh, the Chicago Bulls. Of course, um, uh, the NBA season, uh, rumor has it, and it might start on December 22nd around Christmas time. Uh, the players are saying as of today that they want to start, uh, if you really want to read it to LeBron James and the big superstars, they want to start yeah. on Martin Luther King Day in 2021 in January. Uh, where do you think uh, – when do you think that the NBA season will start? And do you think we'll have some fans in the in the, these arenas, to, at least to start off the year until at least the springtime week and where the NBA can perhaps get a full house of fans for their fans to watch these games? So you, 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 you mentioned December 22nd, which is what the league wants. You mentioned January, which is what LeBron wants. And one thing I could say about those two entities LeBron, and, and he represents the players, is that they do have a way of meeting in the middle. They do have a way of figuring things out. And I think the virus, because it's so rampant right now, that's going to make the, make the call on this. We can't, nothing can be planned at the end of this year. Nothing can be planned at the beginning of next, this, next year. And I, and I think, I think that they want, because, you know, they lost 10% of their finances was lost this year. That's an awful lot of money for them. They're trying to figure out, okay, we still have to do a short season. And they, they, they do believe they've always liked, they've always wanted to start the season on Christmas day. That's always been their, you know, because they realized at that point, the uh, NFL season is down to the playoffs. You know, everyone knows what the playoff teams are and then they can kind of take, you know, they could jump from there. But I, I, I don't think it's going to start in December. I don't think it's going to start in January. I think it's going to be beyond that at this point because I think COVID is going to decide everything in sports. I know that's simplistic for me to say, but that's mm-hmm. the way it seems. Yeah, else, Lamont? Yes, and with, with us having you on those Bulls, I was going to switch it to the Bulls also. With that fourth pick and them having an opportunity to maybe even trade up a pick, 
and move to the number two spot in that Golden State spot who really is in a position where they don't need to pick that number two pick this year. You think that they will be that aggressive going up and trying to get the person, or will they sit at four and take, like, the foreign player uh, that they've been looking at to come over? The kid from Israel? Yes. Um, one thing in trying to research our tourists is I don't think he trades up. I think he likes to trade down. I think he like. Mm -hmm. I think he. I think he. The way he is scouted. Of course, again, this has been such a strange year because you can't scout the way you normally have scouted. Right. But I think. I don't. I think he could trade down too, because he now he finds second round picks better than anybody, you know. Yeah. So, I wouldn't. I, you know, if they trade up, yeah, they could. But I think. I think he. I think he is skilled enough, and knowledgeable enough that he could almost do anything. And I think he'll probably be ending up on the right side of it. All right, that was Cheryl Ray Stout of WBEZ 91.5 FM in Chicago. She's their sports reporter. And we call her our Chicago sports historian here on the show. She and I are the same age at 29. Nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Cheryl, thank you so much for, for joining us. Hey, enjoy that Bears poop, as we call it, against the Saints on Sunday. Oh, the Bears will win and hopefully turn this thing around. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us uh, historical insights about Tony LaRusa and the White Sox. So uh, and, and keep up the great work, and let's do this again soon. Thank you. I had fun, as usual. Thank, thank you, Cheryl. Stay, you guys stay safe. All right. There was Cheryl Ray Stout once again of WBEZ 91.5 FM Chicago. She's their sports reporter. She does a great job. And follow her on Twitter, SC Ray Stout. That's the letter C Ray. That's R A Y E Stout, S T O U T, on the Twitter. Jeez. I know we're running out of time, guys, but um, just real quick. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, as we switch over to college football, I know you have the schedule in front of you, Lakina. Yes. But uh, I just want to point out that Trevor Lawrence has tested positive for COVID-19. He is starting his quarantine process as we speak. Clemson plays against Boston College this weekend. Even if he was in there, they would have blown them out anyway by 30 points. He would have been sent by halftime. Of course, as we talked about the week, I think it was last week, Lakina. Yeah. Uh, they have a big game coming up at Notre Dame next Saturday. Call me college football comments and stupid, but there's no way he's missing that game next week against Notre Dame. That's a whole lot of money. I think that's a home game for Notre Dame, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. It is. But NBC will not be losing that money. Uh, power, the powers to be is going to make damn sure he's going to play in that game. The final score will not matter. They're going to make sure he's going to play in that game, and the eyeballs will be watching. They, uh, they're not going to need him. <laughs> they got a four-star backup. They're not going to need him. And after this game Saturday, they're going to see that they're not going to need him and they can rest him because they do have a four-star backup. They do, yeah. And he's going to be ready to go. I mean, they 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 talking about that man as a mix between one of the names they threw in I didn't really like, but they talking Roethlisberger and Michael Vick combined. They mentioned Jamarcus mm. Russell. The college Jamarcus Russell. I'm about to say, I hope, I hope not, 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 I'm about to say, not Oakland Jamarcus Russell. I hope not. Yeah, not All he did at Oakland was barbecue. So, but uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. So I don't think they're going to miss him. And Notre Dame need to blow out, what, who they got? Georgia Tech, I think. Yeah. Notre Dame, they need to blow them mm -hmm. out. 
And then, you know, you got that big noon, uh, the big noon game with Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, they gonna have a good game something because they don't like each other. <laughs> and, you thought the and, records, you, yeah, you thought the records have to win with those two play. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at. Uh, I'm wondering is Alabama gonna beat Mississippi State by the 24 points or will <laughs> the under? They learn how to have a quarterback again and they beat <laughs> Alabama. This is the type of season that it's been in college football. So. If Alabama lose, I wouldn't be that surprised, but I doubt it very seriously. I just don't think Alabama will cover that 24. The you want to call that right now? You want to make an official bet on this show? <laughs> uh, that one bet. Alabama covering? Uh, didn't Take I the cover. speak already? <laughs> well, I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to uh, Ohio State and Penn State. I know Penn State's probably not going to be in a very good mood after letting that game against Indiana slip away. There won't be any crowd. I, I don't think there's going to be any crowds there at Happy Valley, but I think that's it should be a good one over there. And I think Ohio State will probably have a test against Penn State, I think. Could be a high-scoring game. Yes. Now, what, yeah, what Penn guys- State could be 0-2 uh, before we look at it on Monday. So that, that's really a tough way to start off a shortened season. But Ohio State's been playing very well. Of course, they beat Nebraska last week in a home opener. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of close, but I think Ohio State will find a way to pull it out at the end. Should be interesting. And what about Wisconsin? Look what's happening in Wisconsin. They have the you know, Graham Metz, we talked about, who we talked about on Monday's uh, show, um, tested positive for COVID. Turns out head coach Paul Chris is now tested positive. They have about 10 other people, you know, players and personnel tested positive. They had to cancel the game. That's Nebraska. Big 10 will let Nebraska play Chattanooga to make up for that game. So everything's going all haywire in the, in the Big 10. Welcome to the party, Big 10. You guys wanted to come back. So. Yeah, but you know what? Even with all of that, I think at the end of the year, they're not going to penalize the team. Like they were saying, as long as you qualify with three games, I think it is, you can play in the championship. So I think they'll be that in the end. I think you might see a championship where you got a 16 team playing against a three win, a, a four game team against a six game team for the championship. I think you may see that in the Big Ten at the end of the year. And also, too, I think the MAC is returning this weekend for a short yep. six-game conference season. I think the Pac-12 is next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. I think most of these big-time conferences will be uh, um, uh, uh, getting going here. So we'll have a, a true college season. So I want to – I don't have – like I said, I don't have the schedule in front of me. But I want to see how Northwestern does in their game this week. I know they uh, they blew out Maryland in their home opener last week. Of course, Illinois got smashed by Wisconsin, that COVID quarterback. So yeah. I want to see how they respond this week. That's I think they have a, a home opener this week. That's what happened. Uh, they had the quarterback. That's why they lost that game. <laughs> they play, yeah, they play, they play Iowa. They're at Iowa, Sid. Oh, they got a win. We oh it's on. They're gonna no, I, no, I I was kind of they're going through a lot with you know with not just not really COVID but like all this has been going on. You can go and Google yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, I think Illinois would be one and one. And looking at that Big Ten title, I told you you only need four wins to qualify. They might be in the championship. <laughs> okay, we got your record, Lamont. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. <laughs> four wins to qualify for the Big Ten title game. They might be in that game. <laughs> on okay, on that note, you follow me at Kina on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont oh, Scott gosh. on Twitter.
You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. And you can listen to this podcast, Second City Sports, which is part of the War Media Network. That's We Are Regal Radio and WeAreRegalRadio.com. You can search for War on Anchor on your on your down, uh, podcast platform. says SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. And also, we on iHeartRadio. Please download the iHeartRadio app when you do. Search for, type in your search engine box, War on Anchor. You can access our programming via podcast from there and also we are on youtube at war media once again that's war media w-a-r-r media like comment share subscribe subscribe to our channel share the videos comment 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 on them as well and make sure you smash that like button get those likes up get them up get them up get them up and tell your friends all right yes. also and i also like to thank the the wonderful WBEZ Cheryl Ray Style for joining us. We, we, we can talk we can talk to her all day. We, we actually have done that before. Sid. We can see actually did talk to her all day. Yeah, that was our last uh, time we had her on there. That was uh, the last dance recap, aka the cheat sheet. So yeah. if you missed that, please uh, go back to War on Anchor. You can search for that episode right there. Yes, absolutely. So we'll have this episode up soon. All right, so stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands, wear your mask properly, keep your distance, and if you haven't already, vote. It's important. Vote. Vote. Yes. vote. You can vote at the United Center. Yes, you can. Super site. Yep, mm -hmm. well, election day, absolutely. So you guys have no excuses now. So you can early vote yeah. till the second here in Illinois. You can, you know, like, like Lamont said, you can vote at the, at the UC on election day. So you guys have no excuses, folks. All right, so for the guys, I'm McKean. This has been Second City Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you next week. Stay safe, guys. Peace. Bears poop. Till next time. <laughs> <laughs>